right. So here we go. Let's this go. is it. We're, we're starting now. So serious. This is the first Rockman podcast. I've never done this before. It is thrown together. I hope it goes well. Hopefully they'll get better over time. But I'm sure with a, with a guest like yourself, Reese, it can't go wrong. It can't go wrong. It's probably we're going to hit the high note straight away. But what I want to do is I want to discuss sort of the physical and mental aspects of resilience and endurance uh, through your you and your personal experiences with your challenges uh, over the years. And then hopefully people be able to gain some sort of insight and information about what it takes to sort of perform at the level that you're at and hopefully take some inspiration away as well to go away and push their own limits. Um, so we're going to cover the your, your bad water race. The, your recent FKT with uh, Wales Coast Path, your other recent FKT with the Three Peaks Joggle. Um, I also want to touch on your races as being a race director with Pegasus and Wild Horse. Um, so we'll get, and then after that, we'll, we'll talk then for about um, sort of your mindset, your training and nutrition. And that will form the second part as the Rockman Plus content. Uh, and we'll go into that. So the first one, um, I gave you a bit of an introduction there, but maybe if you could sort of speak about who you are and what have you done and why should someone listen to you? I thought we were friends. You should know <laughs> who I am. <laughs> I'm, my name is Rhys Jenkins, um, originally from Penarf, South Wales, now living in Crickell, passionate Welshman, uh, ultra runner, I guess you'd call me. And just, um, yeah, I've got, a, I've messed it up. We have to start again. No, that's fine. We can't. It's all right. It's ongoing. That's funny now because you've said ultra runner. I guess you'll call me it. Now I've heard you say that before. You've said that in our in the movie Lighthouse in the Dark. So do you not do you not think of yourself as an ultra runner? I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? I, I guess when you people say like you're um an ultra endurance athlete, and I just not comfortable with that in terms of I, I just like going after the adventure, like doing stuff for charity. And yes, I'm running. Yes, I'm running ultra distances, but I'm not like anything different to anyone else. It's just, um, yeah, I don't know. It just makes me a bit, awkward. I just don't, I'll say it. Uh, I don't know if I'm comfortable with it. I think the thing is. So I'm going to reel off some of your achievements and maybe people can make their own minds up from this. So you have ran across the width of Iceland. You've completed 24 marathons in 24 days. You've ran 2000 miles from Boston to Austin. You've crossed the notorious Badwater Basin in California, one of the hottest places on earth, five times. You've been, you were the first official Welsh Badwater 135 competitor in 2019. To last year, you set the New Wales Coast Path FKT in 20 days, 10 hours and 36 minutes. And just this year, only if, what, six months ago, four months ago? No, not even that. Like not two, that. three months ago. Is it two, yeah. three months ago? God. You set the three peaks joggle. So that was running from John O'Groats to Land's End whilst tackling the three highest peaks in Scotland, England, and Wales. Um, breaking the FKT or setting a new FKT with 23 days, seven hours, and 19 minutes. Have I missed anything off? Um, there's a few other things in there. Um, what else have I done? Crikey. I mean, you've done a few challenges together back in we the have. day. We've gone around Wales in a relay. Um, I've cycled Route 66, um, cycled from Italy to Wales, from Italy to France, um, cycled diagonally across America. 
Um, trying to think, what else have I done? Ran from Edinburgh to Cardiff. That was a cool one. That was just random. <laughs> Run and did it. So it's um, on a Friday night board. Yeah, man. I, I think I was working at the time and I made some excuses up to the job I was in. I just wasn't happy working there. I just sort of said, I've got to go and do this. And yeah, I never went back to that job. Run <laughs> 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 from Edinburgh to Cardiff as you do. No, um, I've carried the Olympic torch. I think that's something which is pretty goddamn cool. And I've been lucky enough to speak at White House, which I think was, um, that was so bloody surreal. But that, that's just come from the charity work and stuff. And I ran from New York to Chicago as well. God, there's a few things on the list, Taz. There's a few things on the list. So, I mean, you don't get there by accident. This doesn't happen overnight. Like how, there must have been a beginning. So how did this start? How how do you how does it happen that you end up running the length of Great Britain? Where does it start? Wow. Um, where does it start? So 2006, I went over to America. I was young. I went over to work at summer camp in the USA. Met a chap called Rusty, who's my best friend. He's like my best man as well. And he just got me into running, like really at 6 a.m. in the morning. Really, I'd get lift, like up in the mountains of Pennsylvania, like beautiful weather, stunning and up until that point, I was always a sports fan, sports person. I, I'd, you know, team sports, football, rugby, never a runner, never really saw an interest in it. But I quickly realized the more I ran, the better I was getting at the other sports. So I saw the benefit in that way. So I, when I got home from America, I continued to run, ran a handful of half marathons, um, ran one official marathon, the Las Vegas marathon. Um, I thought it was Las Vegas. I was like, it's going to be warm, beautiful weather. And I didn't realize in December time in Las Vegas, it's a desert, but it's bloody freezing cold, bitterly cold. Didn't take the right kit and all that. Somehow managed to get around, pulled my hamstring about 20 miles in and like hobbled it home. And But I crossed that finish line and always just had that feeling of, you know, can I go further? It's not really for me going faster. It's can I go further? That's the question I asked myself. And then in 2010, literally asked myself that question and um, ran across America. That was, I'd say, where all that was the catalyst of everything else that's followed. It was where I learned how to, I learned my body, I learned my mind. It was nine, 75 days of running a marathon a day, 30 miles a day. At one point, we got up to 60 miles. But it was really one of those weird situations whereby the first two, three, four weeks, our bodies just broke, 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 broke. And like, you couldn't really break any much further when you've got like shin splints hanging off you and you're just really fed up with what you're going through. We were living from like motel to motel, not knowing where we were staying, um, eating microwave meals from like Walmart, which is like the equivalent of Asda over here, you know, sneaking into Subway to fill up our water bottles with like, you know, this sugary uh, parade and stuff. Completely winged it and nobody died, which I guess I was very surprised by. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's where I learned my trade in terms of ultra running and sort of understanding my body. I think with ultra running particularly, you need to understand your body. You need to understand what an ache and a pain is versus what an injury is. You know, you need to get that knowledge behind you. And I guess we jumped in at the deep end and managed to swim. It was just uh, from that point onwards, I sort of set myself the challenge each year each and every year to do something for charity and um, everything I do is for charity and yeah that's the way I work and this is what happens this is the danger of setting a challenge each year that you've got to beat every year you end up bloody running the length of Great Britain eventually that so watch out kids be careful when you start um <laughs> but I, 
what so what what is different what what do you get from these ultra events that you you're not getting from say a half marathon or a marathon like what what are you getting out from it why 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 are you drawn to the ultras um i think it's all in perspective really you can definitely get a reward from doing a half marathon i quite often get a reward from doing a half marathon it's just the feeling of wanting to go further um, i'm never going to be like the richest most knowledgeable guy in the world but I have this weird knack of being able to hang on and deal with stuff as it gets tough and, you know, just hang on that one second longer until you sort of calm down a little bit. Um, I guess a lot of grit and determination is what I tend to have. And I just love having that test. I, I love people doubting me. Um, I think it's brilliant in terms of the way it does motivate me. Some people will just go into their shell, but if I hear somebody talking shit about me, it, it's fine. Um, it's, everybody's open to an opinion, but it just gives me that fuel to be like, right, okay, when I will do it, I'll return and put my middle finger up to you. I, I wouldn't do that, but in my head, I'm just like processing that. It's a way I rile myself up and the way I motivate myself moving forward. And another motivation for me is charity. Um, it's something whereby it gives me that extra reason for not giving up. And like when it's pissing down with rain, the wind is howling, you're on the top of a mountain and the last thing you want to do is run for another, you know, another gazillion miles. It's gives you that reason to just, you know, realize that there's people worse off than you in that moment. And if you can just keep on going and usually people tend to sponsor when I do stupid stuff like this, like running the length of the UK or the Wales coastal path or death Valley, um, it gets attention. And yes, sometimes we put records on there as well. But for me, the key reason for putting a record on to a challenge is to draw more attention to it. Therefore, the charity will get more money, more awareness from it. I, if you gave me a toss up between money and a charity, um, money for the charity and the record, the money for the charity would win all day long. Like the record could be whatever. It's just another, I guess, cog in the machine. Well, I, I think that's something that I missed off from the introduction at the start and probably your biggest achievement, it's certainly in my eyes, is the fact that over the years you've raised over £100,000 for charity by doing these, these, these silly endurance challenges. But I think that's incredible. Like that, That's honestly really, that's unfathomable, the, the amount of money that you've raised. Thank you. It's um, something I'm truly proud of. It's probably the thing I'm most proud of. Uh, apart from my child, who is due imminently, um, yeah, well, my wife. you're you're about to step into the next challenge of your life. I know, man. And do you know what? I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think all this sleep depth training, which I've been doing for like running and stuff, is going to come in handy for the child. But no, with the charity, it's something like I must be over like 125 grand now that we've raised over the years. It's something which by it, it's re I'm really proud of it. And it, we always tend to pick charities which are lesser known, ones which where you can see where the money goes. And more recently, the, we've done it for a child abuse charity, which unfortunately as a child, Keris was abused. And it's something which we support each and every year now. It's something which we want to put back into. And yeah, it's just one of those things, charity rocks. And yeah, like when you see people running the London Marathon, to me, it's cool to see people running, but in my head, I'm thinking, wow, because usually they're running for charity. In my head, I'm trying to do the maths to see how much money is actually being raised for charity. So I'd love to see that and understand like how much money is raised for charity from such a big event like the London Marathon. Like, that's been so millions. And millions, billions. It's got yeah, to be yeah, surely. yeah. Surely. Well, yeah. One, of, one of my favorite stories, uh, your fundraising stories, and correct me if you're wrong, this must be the um, 
the challenge where you've raised the most, most money. It has to be. But talk to me about the Italy trip. Ah, oh, balls. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I knew you'd bring this one up. So, um, yeah, I guess there's a good story behind this, but there's good um, understanding as well in terms of the moral of the story. Um, me and my group of friends were supposed to cycle from Rome to Paris and we uh, were doing it in a relay. So you'd work around the clock, but it was nonstop. But you'd like to three hours on, a bit of time off, three hours on and keep going like that. And the first guy was up. We were outside the Roman Colosseum. Beautiful. We're taking photos like tourists do. And we set him off on the bike and he's in his light for He's like pumped. He's like shooting down the road. And then we go back to get in the support vehicle and we're like, where is it? And you're like, it's one of those horrible things. You're like, in a weird, not in a weird, you're in an unknown city. And you're like, I parked it on a street that I'm not entirely sure where that street is. How have you managed to lose the vehicle? After a few hours of looking, um, we managed to realize that it had been nicked and stolen. And it, it, it had everything in it. It had the spare bikes, kit, passports, money, wallets, phones, everything you can imagine. That van had everything in it. And yeah, some cheap git popped up, nicked it and drove off. <laughs> um, I love it. Going on, we had to ring up the other guy who was on the bike and explain to him that he had to come back because everything's been nicked and stolen. So he has to turn around and come back. So then, all the only clothes he has now for the next two or three days is a cycling kit. So he's walking around Rome in this bloody cycling kit. It's quite funny. Um, but the first thing you do is when you lose something, you just have that, oh, uh, you just want to take it back. Or wherever it's to, you just want to take it back. And um, we didn't know where to start. It just felt like you were trying to, you know, trying to hold sand and it's just running through, you know, that really irritating feeling. And we went to the airport, rung home, rung my dad, as you do to explain. And he's like, you're an idiot. There'd be a tracker on the vehicle. Like, why didn't you ring us sooner? I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So then we managed to get the tracker, found the location of the vehicle and went to get the vehicle. And the vehicle had been parked up. It'd been covered over with stuff. Like they would really, they gutted it. They'd taken everything out of it. And they'd left a black bag on the front seat of the van. And we're like, oh, what the hell are we going to be in here now? And um, they'd left our passports in a black bag at the front of the seat. And you're like, what? You've got a conscience. You've nicked everything else <laughs> off us. You've left our goddamn passports. They obviously just didn't want us in the country. Um, Anyway, what transpired was we let the charity know that we really fucked up and we've lost everything. And they put out a social media post. This is like 2013, 12, something like that. So like Facebook is there, but it's not that popular. Uh, it's popular, but you know, it's not like it is today, even though I don't really like it today. But yeah, that's another discussion. Um, and they put out a post. And up until that point, we'd raised about 500 pounds between us. Um, like a clock, it was ridiculous, man. Like we raised close to ten thousand pounds within twenty-four hours because people had heard about the story that was going on and sort of unfolding over in Rome, and people were just like, "Fuck that! That's this terrible thing to do." These people who want to do this for charity, but um, it was just crazy, man. It was like, I guess the moral of the story for me is everything went wrong, but still you raised a shitload of money and awareness for this charity and everything. Like it wasn't what we planned, but after like. 48 hours of just sort of you know feeling sorry for ourselves we're like well fuck it we've got one bike um let's go let's go and give it a go so we literally shared cycling kit we shared the bike we um had the support vehicle because it was still there um and we did the challenge it, it took us like four days it was disgusting but we had that extra motivation of somebody nicking our stuff but the main factor of the motivation was the fact that all that support we had over that short amount of time just meant you know it just 
gave us that lift we needed to get it going. So well, yeah, that it's, was... it, not only do I find that story hilarious, but I think it's, it's just a beautiful example of resilience. It's like most people would have sacked the challenge off right at that point, but you, you took a gutted out van, you have one bike, one set of clothes each, and you still managed to do it, and you raised even more money. So I, I, that's the best point about the story for me. Um, I want to talk about Badwater as well. So I know Badwater, I wasn't, uh, Badwater to me was made famous by David Goggins from watching all his sort of stuff. But like in the ultra running world, yeah, (laughs) we'll we'll skip over him. In the ultra running world, it's it's one of the biggest races you can do, right? And you were the first Welsh competitor to to undertake uh, that race in 2019. Oh man, yeah, it's, um, for me, it's like the Olympics of, um, ultra running it's like my mountain top it's the race i always want to be involved in um it's 135 miles up and down three mountain ranges through the hottest place on earth and i mean it's hot like i've had it up to over 50 over there like with the relentless sun kicking in it's just um beautifully brutal i think the term is for it it's just spectacular man and every year only 100 people get invited to take part in the race so it is made that really it's really quite spectacular when you get there. You get all these people that are from different countries representing, and you just got literally the baddest athletes on earth competing against one another. Man, it's so cool. Um, yeah, Goggins obviously helped highlight the race, but you've got other people like Dean Carnazes, you know, the ultramarathon godfather. Um, you've also got Marshall Ulrich. So, Marshall Ulrich, not a lot of people know of this guy, but he has done Badwater 30 times, 3 0. 30. <laughs> 30 times man that guy is just a machine like if you get a chance go and read his book have a little look and read up on him he's done everything there is in terms of ultra endurance and he is such a lovely bloke as well i mean like so supportive and i think you've you've actually come across him before because on the wales coastal path you managed to get a, a nice supportive video from him i Remember, did i managed to get hold of marshall very nice guy um we was ringing at very odd times because he was obviously all the way in america um, just trying yeah. to get hold of him, but yeah, what a true gent. Yeah, um, he, he, he had a little phone call with you, motivational phone call, gave you a pep talk, um, and I, yeah, I hope it meant I hope it meant a lot to you. It meant a lot to me, and I think with Badwater, there's so many like uh, stories around it. There's always a story that comes out of the event, and like people say, like you should run on like the yellow on the yellow lines to say running on the asphalt because the asphalt's black. You can imagine the heat. Um, it's crazy like they say like the bottoms of your shoes melt you can fry an egg on the road surface you imagine if you take your foot and you put it in an oven because that's what you're doing that's how hot it is out there especially on the road surface it's going to swell up so the first thing that goes for me every bloody year is my achilles they just like literally just just explode as soon as you start going i after a few hours and stuff you sort of tend to just i don't know you work your way through it you just go through your processes and you sort of try and get comfortable being in this heat. Yeah, but I mean, it, I think what people would want to know, it's billed as one of the toughest races in the world. How does it compare to other races you've done? Is it, is it really that tough? Yeah, it is just, um, it is so tough, man, seriously. Like, you start below sea level. So you, you start underneath the sea, technically, and some sadistic person has put a sign halfway up the mountain saying, hey, this is where sea level is, guys. You're going to have to come and above this as much as possible. Um, but those three mountain ranges, seriously, when I first year I ever went over there, I was naively, I was just like, prepare for the heat. Don't worry about the hills. It's going to be quite flat. You're in a desert. Don't stress. To be slapped in the face with three mountain ranges. And I mean, 
they are long climbs. So like the first climb comes at about 40 miles in and it's about 16 miles straight up. It is <laughs> like there's no, there's no giving that. Then you drop back down and you go across like the hottest part of the race because the time of day and where you're actually to is called Panaman Valley. And that is just, um, it's crazy because that's where the jet fighters do all their training. So whilst you're running across the desert, like starting thinking, am I hallucinating? You're not hallucinating. There, there, there are jet fighters like flying down the valley. They make such a loud noise, but the valley is so big, they look tiny and it's so hard to spot them out. They look like a grain of sand. That's how big the valley is. Once you get to the other side, then you go, you've probably got another nine mile climb uphill and then and that final climb. So when, you get, when you've done 122 miles, you still have a 13 mile uphill climb and it's like 4,000 feet, 5,000 feet. And like, that's the gain alone. You finish about 8,000 feet up in the air a place called Whitney Pauls. You can imagine you've been fighting your way through this relentless heat of the desert for like the last 40 hours. And you can turn around and you can see the heat rising from Death Valley. They can sort of see where you've come from that sort of area. And you turn the corner and it's like this mountain oasis. It's like running streams, big old green trees. It's just like, for me, it's one of the most peaceful places on earth because you've gone through this battle, battle, battle with yourself. And then suddenly it's just over. And like crossing that finish line was, for me, it was a bittersweet moment because it had taken me 10 years to get into that race. And then it was all coming to an end. But I think retraining the mind, for me, it's not the end with that race. It's something which I will continue to thrive to get into. I will continue to fight to get into that race each and every year, as long as I feel I can do it justice. And um, yeah, my goal is to go back as many times as possible. Um, I'm lucky enough to be going back in 2022 now. So, yeah, it should be cool. Well, I'm sure everyone will be supporting you on that one. Uh, now, for the last two years, obviously, with the, the pandemic, tra travel has been limited. Um, and you turned your focus to two home challenges. One, the Wales Coast Path, 850 miles, something like 30,000, 50,000 feet of elevation game. And then the joggle, three peaks joggle, so running from John O'Groats, Land's End, while summiting each of the highest peaks. <clears throat> How do they compare? Well, firstly, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> oh, man. And then well, how, do, how do they compare? How are they then different again to, like, the, the bad waters? Yeah. Uh, how are they different again to bad water? They're, they're more prolonged. Like, literally, you're beating yourself up for 23 days rather than 40 hours, you know? It's a massive mental game of that it's just um and it's weird you go through peaks and valleys literally all the time with your emotions it's really hard to keep them in check but in terms of like the wales coastal path that was always on my bucket list it was something i'd do eventually and the opportunity presented itself we had a window of about 21 22 days whereby like the stuff opened up and we could have a good solid crack at it and my wife came out and proved me the whole way um, just to correct you, it was like 870 miles, but it's okay, it's fine. You yeah, well, no, oh, hang on, that's I was short by 20 miles, that's a big difference. We'll add it that's on. A big Thank you very much. Um, now the Wales Coastal Path, it was just really so cool to be able to run around your country. I, I appreciate it was just on the coast and stuff, and I could have done a full loop, that's for another year. But um, there was a point just outside Aberystwyth where I just gave myself five minutes to just sit down and enjoy the view. And I looked right and I could see North Wales and I looked south and I could see South Wales. It was just, I looked left and I could see South Wales, sorry. And it was just, um, 
I don't think you could do that in many countries in the world where you can see the whole span of a country from just sitting there and not moving, man. And like finishing that event was just raw emotion. Like you've seen the documentary, like that whatever happened in those final steps was just, it was not pre-planned. It was not ever thought about. It was just, that's what took over my body because I've been beating myself up for 20 days on that challenge. And you know what, there were points where we didn't think we get the record. There were points where we didn't even think we could finish. It was so brutal out there. And it, it, I, 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 somebody else may have called it this, but this is for me, the Wales coaster path is mother nature's roller coaster. And in terms of like the terrain, you said the, the elevation gains like 50,000 feet, I think it's a little bit more, but it's okay. I'll let you, I'll let that slide with you again. <laughs> I um, should know these facts. I should know them. But like, obviously the physical side of it is up and down, but then the mental side of it is up and down. Like you've got a few dog legs in there where you're actually having to go inland to go back around and come back outland. But with Wales Coastal Path, meeting new people was just something which was unexpected. Like so many people became invested in making sure I put one step in front of another. And to me, it's great having them there, but it also fuels your fire again because you know these people care for you and you want to go out there and do them proud. And we did it for free charities that year. We did it for CF Warriors. We did it for Maggie's Cardiff, it's a breast cancer charity, and we did it for the NSPCC. Those three charities gave me that extra fire and emotion again to keep on going. And like getting the benefit of being able to see my wife every couple of miles again was brilliant. But you start off on these challenges and yeah, you don't know if you'll ever get, you don't know if you'll get there. If it was 100% certain, there wouldn't be that much fun. If that makes sense? You like the mm. unknown side of it and whether you can achieve it. Um, and with this thing, it was, we made a lot of fuck-ups completely. Like, there were things we could have done so much better. We took wrong turns, we had to turn around, you know. Those sort of little things that you learn as you go along. But then roll forward 20, no, not 24 months, um, 12 months. COVID's still around. We're not flying anywhere for me anyway, in particular to like America. And I'd always had the joggle on my bucket list. And again, an opportunity of, I think we had 25 days to get it done. And I wanted to go for like, what was it? I think it was around 20, 20 days I wanted to get the record. The record was 30 odd days. And I did feel as if that was in my ability to achieve. So it was weird having, or well, with the Wales Coastal Path, it was always going back and forth. And up until the final day, I was always behind schedule. And then I managed to catch it and then just push off towards the end and sucker punched it. With the joggle, it was weird because I was ahead of the schedule and I was ahead of it by a good hefty chunk. And it was weird being in that position because you're like, well, do I try and improve it and take more time off the record? Or am I risking injuring myself and fucking up the whole scenario, you know? With joggle, man, that drive up to Scotland took us like 14, 16 hours. I can't, Scotland is just so big it's absolutely massive that map of britain is not accurate i promise you that man <laughs> seriously somebody's tweaked with it i swear it was um man it's so beautiful in terms of like the rugged beautiful nature of it and it just really caught me by surprise and like somewhere i'd always love to go back to now and run in and explore mm. but then wales coastal path was all nature joggle was nature but then roads because the most direct route was usually on a road with the joggle, I spent 80% of the time dodging traffic, which to me brought a new 
aspect of danger because that was out of my control. If somebody came around the corner not looking where they're going, they could wipe me out and, you know, take, you know, and, and I, I'd never run again. I, I'd never, I may die, you know, and over the 23 days it took to get that challenge done, that really, really got in my mind in terms of like, I was like getting quite nervous towards the end of, you know, going around the corner. I'd take my headphones out so I could hear what was coming. I'd really be careful where I was stepping because I just didn't want to be sandwiched so close to the end in between like a, a hedge and a car and have nowhere to go and just get hit. Yeah. Um, five miles from the end, one of my friends was running with me and he got clipped by a car which took out his hip. Literally, they drove around the corner and the car hit him, didn't stop and just carried on driving, left him, literally keeled over in agony because obviously a car just hit his hip, the wing mirror clipped him basically. Um, so to me, it was like, you've come all this way and then in the final five miles, you haven't been hit, but somebody else has been hit and it's just like, that's how close I was to danger the whole time. And yeah, I mean, I came, I came out uh, to support you on one of the days and it really, you, it was like a dual carriageway. There was six inches on the side of the road where you had to run, like basically where the white line goes uh, next to the grass. Like it, there, there's no pavement, is there? It's, you, you are pretty much on a dual carriageway, 70 mile an hour cars going past. Um, it's proper danger. If, you, if you've ever driven to Cornwall, on, I think it's the A30 or the A3 or something like that. This is the road Taz is on about. And it is just, um, you shouldn't be allowed to run on it, 100%. <laughs> no. it's, it's hey, but you need that record. Run. You need the record. But it was like you, like you said, you did not have much to run on at all. Like the width of your laptop, possibly. And you had this dust up of, all right, I, I don't want to go on a 30 mile diversion to go around. But also, I don't want to risk my life. So by the end of it, we weren't risking like my life at the rush hour. So like um, morning commute or when people are finishing work, stuff like that. We would um, jump off and find another route around, basically, mm -hmm. to try and avoid that. It was um, I should have known more. I should have realized it would be that much of a threat to me. Like, with Wales Coastal Path, I'm openly saying that I will always go back. With the joggle, that was one and done, and I will never go back it's to that. I think yeah. on on, uh, on both challenges, obviously, I came out to support you uh, more on the Wales Coast Path, um, but also on the joggle. The thing that, uh, and obviously, they talk about it being um, again, it's a physical endurance, but also a mental endurance. And I, I could see, you, you know, there were times where you were um, battered, bruised chewed up spat out your body was breaking on you and that that is when your mental resilience kicked in but then i actually witnessed on both challenges huge double dollops of mental pressure added on top of you um for the wales coast path it was obviously being behind by so much um mm -hmm. at one point and um on the joggle there was there was some uh what would you say critics online abuse yeah, online, 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 I would call them um, keyboard warriors, maybe, arm, you know, armchair critics. Um, I'd say it was online bullying, I think. Yeah, and to see, to, to see you have to deal that, with that when you're at your absolutely lowest, I think anyone else would have crumbled. And I think that's, I'd, I'd like to talk about you because we were talking about um, don't burn your matches all at one point earlier. And obviously you have these little mental... Um, fuels if you will these little mental fuel bombs that you use and how you don't use them all you've got to save them when you need it um, yeah. how 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 do you deal with that when you're at your lowest how do you deal because this isn't a little bit of mental pressure these are huge big dollops of mental pressure how do you deal with that 
I, don't, I try not to care so much in terms of like, usually I'm, I'm running for charity, I'm running for child abuse, you know, and when you compare a bust up online versus child abuse, man, it, you know, there's no fucking comparison with stuff like that. And that you just try to just normalize the situation. Like if you're out of breath or you're hurting or, you know, you, you feel like you're about to fall asleep, which I remember on the Wales Coast Path, I was very close to falling asleep quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, you just normalize it. You take a seat. You try to just breathe, calm down. You go back to your comfort mechanisms, I guess, in terms of like, Karis, my support network, good friends like you that are there to help you. Uh, music, music. You said about, I'd laugh because I never really, I'd laugh because I loved what you said about the fuel bombs. It's something which it is. It's like music can literally release quite a few of those emotions. And I am an emotional runner. Like you'll see it on my face straight away. And there's a photo of me and you just after I was going through one of those episodes. And you've got your little specs on my face. <laughs> and I'm looking at that photo and I'm going, my smile is so forced in that photo. You can see that I'm just not happy and I'm not in a good place. Because I remember leaving that moment in such a low place I'd gone 90% of the way like I know how far I'd gone and to have somebody question me and literally go in on me like that was just despicable in terms of it was just disgusting it was gut-wrenching for me but then grand scheme of things you just try and not you just go right okay well I'm out here running for child abuse fuck whatever's going on at the moment just get your job done and carry on doing it Mm-hmm. Um, I f- honestly believe the more shit you go through in life, the more grit you get, and you can apply that to ultra running in particular. You can apply it to anything, really. It's just something which, um, yeah, hang on that little bit longer, keep on going, dig deep, and just, yeah, know what works for you. For me, music helps a lot. Thinking about the charity, the reason you're running for, and if you can have enough reasons why. So, re- the reason why is very strong when it comes to dealing with stuff like this. And my reason why is always something which is greater than my reason for giving up. 100%. Well, it, that's actually quite a good segue as well, because uh, one of my final questions on this section is I'd like to know what is, what is running and these ultra challenges given you um, in terms of uh, what have they added to your life outside of the achievements? You know, how, how have you taken what you've learned through these challenges and the benefits, the internal benefits you get? And how is it... If, have you taken that through into your day-to-day life no it's, it's given me lots of life lessons and how you deal with stuff and not to overreact to things like people don't grab intentionally really trying to hurt you and stuff like that and if somebody does something wrong to you it's not necessarily like they intended it that way and i think of ultra running in particular being out there for hours and hours on your own it gives you that ability to just think and actually think about the people around you and I think it's made me appreciate life more in terms of the people I have and like enjoying those moments when I'm with them because it's that fine balance of yes I want this adventure then also I want this normal lifestyle especially with the new with our kid on the way as well I don't want to miss anything in their life when they pop out mm. it's something which yeah it's just show me more empathy I think the right term would be with that I genuinely yeah. think if we had more empathy in this world the world would be a better place it's like somebody could do you wrong but they may be in a bad moment and they it may be not the, may not be their true character, you know. I think a bit of empathy can go a long way, and if that's one thing I take from ultra running, it's that. Well, what I've seen um, from you guys is that you and your wife you've built an, an amazing community with your uh, 
races that you've been putting on. Um, could you talk to a bit about, um, so obviously you're a race director, you run currently two race brands, Pegasus Ultra Running and Wild Horse Ultra Running. So um, talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, um, that was like a life goal of mine, to put on some races and bring people to Wales, really. That was always the passion behind it because I genuinely have run in quite a few places around the world and Wales is up there 100% with the trails and mountains. Sometimes the weather can be a bit dodgy, but Christ, man, we live in a beautiful country. Um, so we have Pegasus Ultra Running, which is uh, anything from 30 miles up to 50 miles. Uh, we just want to get people into ultra running and show them beautiful Wales. And then we have Wild Horse 200, which the clue is in the title. Um, they're 200 mile races. Uh, you've got South Wales, Mid Wales and North Wales. I think you said you're going to do the South Wales one, but I can't remember which one you said you'd do. Um, but I no, will that, do one. I will do one. Is, those challenges are like monsters. They're enormous, but man, it's one of those things. They're achievable, 100% achievable. And for anyone that's thinking about giving that sort of distance to go, man, seriously, it, don't be phased by the distance, man. If you had the right strategy and approach to anything, I'm sure you can get through it. Um, so yeah, Pegasus is the little brother, Wild Horse is the bigger brother, and you, you can see where we're going. We've got a thing for horses, but um, that's where the, um, the original 100-mile races come from. We're originally a horse race, and then obviously something happened, and now they're foot races. So that's our so, little, um, I guess. So if someone, wanted to, um, if someone wanted to check these races out and uh, sign up, uh, where would they go? What's the, uh, have you got an Instagram handle or a web, web, web address? Should have mentioned this, shouldn't I? Um, yeah, so www.pegasusalterrunning.com. Don't think you need the www anymore. <laughs> and the other one is wildhorse200.com. Um, again, if you put it into Instagram or uh, Facebook or Twitter, uh, you'll find us on there. We're quite social people. And yeah, drop us a message if you got anything. And yeah, go from there. Um, and where can people find you, Reese? What is your Instagram handle? If they want to follow you and your es escapades across the country and across the world, um, where, where can people find you? Uh, there's, well, there's two, actually. So I got my personal one, which is Arjenko11. Yeah, Arjenko11. I should know my own handle. And then Rockman. Rockman seemed to follow everything that I do. So if you ever want an update on the challenge or anything like that, yeah. My personal one, and then Rockman always cover everything, so you can. Um, I can't get away with anything. They see it all, and they no, share we're, it all. So. We're watching. We're always watching, Reese, even when you're sleeping. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. I really appreciate. It. I mean, this is only the first section. Um, we are going to jump onto another section, which uh, which will hopefully be shorter, tw tw 10, 20 minutes. Um, but if you enjoyed this interview and you want to hear more after this podcast, we, we do record some extra questions exclusively for the Rockman Plus members. And um, we're going to talk to Reese about his training, um, breaking down training for ultra running and and the even the crazy challenges he does. We're going to talk about the nutrition. How does he fuel uh, challenges and runs like that? And maybe some pre, during and post race aftercare and a bit about his mindset. So if you want to find out more about that, uh, sign up to our Rockman Plus membership. You can find all the details on our website at rockman.co.uk but reese thank you very much really appreciate it um and we'll catch you over on the next bit after this hello you still there i'm still here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right cool